Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our first ever live sermon broadcast. Um, this is, it's been a crazy time, and our team has worked around the clock to figure out what is best for us, what is best for the church, and we're trying to navigate this season and trying to do what is right. And as citizens, we do our part in what we want what the government and the world is trying to do is to flatten that curve. And so as a church, we are being a part of that, and we are trying to be good witnesses during this time. Um, during this time, we'll keep you posted. We'll take everything day by day. We'll take everything uh, moment by moment. But thank you, church, um, for being at home today, being isolated today. You are doing your part, and you are doing your part as a witness, and we're glad that you're with us. Uh, even though I don't see anybody in front of me, I know and I feel all your presence online with me. And so it's, it's good to see, but it, it's, it's fun to see everybody that's chatting online. And as we were starting worship to, to see that we're getting international, actually Monday and praise are online. This is awesome. And so uh, I'm glad that we were able to do this and we're, I'm glad that we are able to um, uh, just worship together. Um, today we are going to address a little bit of, of how we are to be as a church uh, during the season of COVID-19, but we're also going to continue in our series, um, our, our sermon series in the Gospels according to the Minor Prophets. So today we're going to be looking at the book of Habakkuk, um, and so we're going to dive right in, and we're going to go into the sermon, um, and it feels weird because I'm not getting any feedback from you guys, or just wave. Everybody wave at me, please. All right. Let's just pray first, all right? Father God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, that you are a good God, and we could put our faith and our trust in you. Lord, that as we're, we're trying to navigate a season of unknown, we're trying to navigate a season that is different and weird and feels there's anxiety that comes and fear that comes, but Lord, we know that in and amongst all of these things that there is faith and that we could put our faith in you. So Father God, we just pray that as we dive into the book of Habakkuk today, Lord, that you give us a moment where we're able to dialogue with you, a moment where we're able to put our faith and our trust in who you are. So Lord, we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Habakkuk. We're going to go through the whole book as we've been going through as a church. Um, just a little intro on, the, on Habakkuk. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. Uh, we don't know much about the prophet. We just know that Habakkuk was a prophet as how the book starts off in. Um, and because of that, we also know that Habakkuk was held in high regards as a prophet in Judah. And as we have gone through the Minor Prophet series, we've, already, we've talked about the different timelines of how the Minor Prophet fits in. And Habakkuk, right now, the story gives us a very familiar situation that is similar to the days of Amos and Micah. There is an imminent invasion of the land, but instead of happening to Israel now, it's happening to Judah. This is the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was called Judah. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The kingdom has fallen to the same Violence has fallen into the same wickedness uh, where things are unchecked. But instead of the Assyrians coming to take over, it's the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. However, unlike Amos, Habakkuk doesn't 
even mention the possibility that destruction can be averted. He's not calling for national repentance. At this point where Habakkuk stands, it's too late. God has already said, the Chaldeans are coming and I'm going to use them to take Judah out. God is sending the Chaldeans as his judgment towards Judah. This puts Habakkuk in a very, very great theological dilemma. Why didn't God just purge his own people and restore righteousness into Judah? Why didn't God just do that? Why is he using, and how could God use the Babylonians to bring judgment on his people because the Babylonians are actually worse off than Judah? So how can God look at the Babylonians and say, I'm gonna use you as a judgment for what you're doing and your position and your faith. A lot of what Habakkuk, what's happening in Habakkuk's heart is similar to some, some, what some of us are asking nowadays. Some of us are asking, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Some of us are asking, why is COVID-19 here? Why does God allow war to happen? Why does God not do anything when the church is being attacked? Why does God let... Bad things happen to good people. And so the book of Habakkuk helps us answer and tackle some of these questions. The questions that Habakkuk are asking are not so different. We live in a time where the gospel is being questioned nowadays. We live in a time where it's being challenged. We live in a time where the gospel is being deconstructed. We live in similar times as that of Habakkuk and where we live according to our selfish desires and the prejudices against those that are not like ourselves. We live in times where we're seeing violence and shaming and the privileged taking advantage of those that have none. The timeline may be different, but the heart of the people in the book of Habakkuk and the heart of the people today is not so different. So Habakkuk is a great book because it's not just the prophetic words to a nation, but it is a dialogue that he's having between him and God. And it's the same dialogue that we could have with God. It's the same dialogue that we could come to a place of asking God to give us answers and to to give us faith. And that's what we're going to dive into today. And so as we continue to, to look into Habakkuk, Habakkuk gives us kind of the heart of, the heart of Judah. Judah is full of violence. It's perverted. In verse 4, it says, So the law is slacked, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounds the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Amos had already warned Israel, the northern kingdom, that injustice would bring judgment, and Judah watched that happen. Assyria came, swept out the northern kingdom, and Israel is no longer inexistent at this point. Now it's the southern kingdom's turn, and Judah is guilty of the same offenses. It's just 130 years later. Judah witnessed the destruction of the northern kingdom, yet they have not learned anything. So in verse six, God says, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, that bitter and hasting nation who march through the, the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. God is using the Chaldeans as a rod of correction. He is in control. He's not doing this out of anger. 
but of a judgment of his love and to bring correction. As people, oftentimes we don't like being corrected. Or actually, we don't like the consequences of our actions and the correction that comes with it. It means that it it makes us feel hopeless. It makes us feel like it, it feels mean. It feels like it's unnecessary. But yet in Habakkuk's complaints and in Habakkuk's protest, he understands one thing. Habakkuk understands the sovereignty of God. He understands the character of God with confidence in verse 12. It says, you are, not, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. What Habakkuk knew was that his faith was rooted in who God was. He knew that God was the Holy One. He knew that God is from everlasting, that he is the rock that which we set our foundation in. Habakkuk had this in mind as he starts this dialogue. The consequence and the actions of Judah, this is correction. This is a calling back of his people. As Habakkuk shows how he's not pleased with the way of God is doing things, why the Chaldeans are worse than us? Why are they escaping your judgment? Habakkuk gets a little self-righteous in this moment and says, I'm going to protest this. And he says that I will be a watchman. In chapter one, what he's doing is he's protesting against the violence and the injustice of Judah. And then against the violence and justice of of the Chaldeans who God is sending to punish Judah. So he stands and he waits. And the Lord answers him in a vision but we're not told what he saw. From the vision, God gives him the words for Judah and five woes for the Chaldeans. The woes of the Chaldeans speak of how how Babylon will end. That God answers Habakkuk's protest and assures him that the pride of the Chaldeans will end in woe and that the people of Judah will remain if what? If what? The righteous shall live by his faith. That's the answer. That the righteous will live by his faith. We will unpack this a little more, but we're going to kind of finish off the book and then we're going to unpack what this has to say here in the last chapter here. Habakkuk goes into this place where he has this dialogue where he's like, God, I don't understand what is going on here. He's explaining to God, he's just like, why are you taking a people, the Babylonians, to come and bring judgment? I don't get it. They are worse off than we are. The destruction of Judah is coming. Everything that we know of our, our, our culture, our society, our economy, everything is coming into destruction. Does that sound familiar right now? In light of what we're going through? Habakkuk then goes and is like, God, this is not fair. We're going to stand up against this. I'm going, to, I'm going to stand here until you change your mind. I'm going to be that watchman. I'm going to be that person to say, no, this cannot happen. I'm going to pray for the righteousness of my people, and I'm going to, I'm going to make things right. But God says no. God gives him another vision. He's just like, I have a bigger plan in all of these things. 
My plan is greater than what you know. My plan is greater than what you understand. But do you know who I am? Do you know that I am creator? Do you know that I am God? And in this place, Habakkuk reminds himself, and in chapter three, he gives us a song of praise and faith. In the moments when we are struggling, in the moments where we don't understand what is going on, in the moments where we feel like we have no control, that fear comes and uncertainty comes, how do you respond? Habakkuk gives us the way that we should respond as people of God, and that is in praise. Because in praise, we're able to take ourselves out of our heart and our emotion and focus on who God is. And in praise, we're able to take ourselves out of the, the, the chaos and the, the cloudiness of our mind and focus on the one that brings us peace, the one that brings us joy. The prayer and song that he writes, it says, in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk knows the sovereignty of God, that God's ways and his plans are better, but that even in hard times, that God has mercy. Habakkuk knows that in wrath, that mercy comes. Habakkuk knows the greatness of God's power and his ability to save. In verse 13, it says, You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the heads of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Habakkuk knew the salvation of the past, of what God has done in the past, what God has, how, how God has saved them from the past. And because of that, Habakkuk knows that I can fully rely on what God has done in the past and the promise that he has made for us so that we can rely on the future of what we're going to, to come upon. Then out comes this beautiful song of faith. In verse 7 to 19, it says this. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and yet the fields yield no, no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He will make my feet like deers. He makes me tread on my high places. Habakkuk understands that no matter how severe things may seem, when the invasion happens, that he will not stop trusting God. Habakkuk is confident in the wrath that God will show mercy to those who trust him and rejoice with him alone when all else fails. Habakkuk helps us set our hearts into the right place. Habakkuk gives us an understanding and a position that, and a posture that we are to take in a season where there is fear and where there is anxiety. Habakkuk understands and has a very healthy fear of the judgment of God. 
So he prays this in chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord. Do I fear in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In the wrath, remember mercy. What Habakkuk knows is that he knows that fear, the fear of the Lord is where he needs to put his own position in his, in his, in his inner self. That he needs to, to understand that the judgment of God comes because God knows better, that God is sovereign, that God has, what, he has my best in mind in all of these things. When we talk about our faith, when we talk about who we are as Christians, who we are as a church. We need to come back to a place of setting ourselves right on the right foundation. We need to set ourselves on a place where we have a healthy fear of what, who God is so that we could trust in God no matter what happens. This is what Habakkuk is about. The righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by his faith. It is reinforced and celebrated in Jesus. In verse he says, even when all the fruit and the produce and the flock and herds are destroyed and my very life is threatened, yet I will rejoice in God. This is banking on the hope on God no matter what. In our time, in our current situation with COVID-19, in the time where things don't look good for the church, in the time when people are deconstructing their faith, in a time where our situation looks dire, in a time where hope, where there, there, there seems like there is no hope. There is hope in faith. Like Habakkuk asking the questions, how do we live in such a time as this? where our lives are in danger, where our culture is in danger, where our economy as we know it is in danger, where society is in danger. He reminds us the answer is the righteous shall live by his faith. In a time where there's fear, in a time where there's distress, in a time where there's uncertainty, there is also faith. Faith is knowing who God is. It is that his mercy is there, that his love is there, that God is our Jehovah Jireh, which means he's our provider, that, that God is our Jehovah Rafi, which is he is our healer, that God is Jehovah Shalom, he is Jehovah Adonai, he is Jehovah Rohi, that he will be our peace, he is a sovereign, and he is our shepherd. This is the place that God wants us to be. In a place of fear, replace that with faith. So how do we live out our faith during this time? During a time where there is fear and uncertainty, we choose faith, we choose love over fear. But many people in our community, our neighbors, don't have faith. So what is our responsibility as a church? So I've put down 12 points in terms of how do we put faith in action. One is to be a good citizen. First and foremost, we need to be a good citizen. So whatever warnings that the government is putting out, don't just take them and say, uh, that's not for me. I don't, see the, I don't see the immediate needs of it, but listen to what the governments have to say. They are people that are 
much smarter than you and I that are making these decisions. Listen to what they have to say. Be a good citizen. Be a good witness to your neighbors and not just recklessly walk out your life thinking that you know better. Be a good citizen. Follow what the laws of the land have to have, have given you. Number two, be a good neighbor. Be a good neighbor, especially to those that are elderly, those with comprom- compromised immunity, those that need an extra set of hands in this time. Be a good neighbor. Watch out for each other. If you're going for a grocery run, maybe go and ask your neighbors, I'm going for a grocery run, anybody needs something? And help each other go so that we could keep some social distancing. The less people are going out to do it, the less, the, the, the faster we could contain this thing. Third, be kind. Be kind. God has called us to be kind to each other. Don't, don't go and hoard things. Don't go and, 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 and take things that, that you already have a stockpile of. Let others have a chance of getting things. Be kind to each other. Help each other out. Donate things to the food bank. Donate to those that are in need. Be generous. That leads me to my fourth point. Be generous. Be generous with your resources. Be generous with what you have. Fifth thing, be gracious. Be gracious in all that you have and all that you have received. Be gracious that you have your health. Be gracious that you have enough. Be gracious that you're living in a day where we live with technology and that we still have access to so many things. Six, be light and salt. This is an opportunity for the church to shine. This is an opportunity for you as Christians to shine. This is an opportunity for you to be a witness to those that, to your colleagues, to your coworkers that you're not meeting with, I hope, but you're meeting with them online. Be salt and light to them. Be salt and light to your neighbors. Be salt and light to the community that you're part of. Seventh, be in prayer. Continue to pray for for this. Continue to pray for COVID-19. Continue to pray for those that are being sick. Continue to pray for those that are on the front lines, those that are the health workers that are working on the front lines, the scientists that are are developing vaccines and and all of those good things and all those scientist-y things. Be praying for them. Pray for your delivery driver. I know Skip the Dish and DoorDash has gone way up. All the delivery services have gone. Pray for them. Pray for safety. Pray for your family. Eighth, be in worship. And ninth, be in the word. Both of these things I want, I cannot stress enough. This is an opportunity as life slows down. Pick up your prayer life and pick up your study life. Find out what God wants to say in this time and what God has to speak to you. Grow in your faith. Grow in your your literacy of him. Grow in your worship. Take time to listen to worship as a family. Now that you're all stuck in a house together, what a great time instead of fighting with each other, worship together. Take time to play some worship music and just worship. On a daily basis, do it. Be in community, not physically, 
But being community, there's things called FaceTime, there's things called Zoom, there's video chat, there's so many things. There's the phone call, Al and Sal, I'm going to give you a call just to check in on you guys. But be in community, call each other. Make sure that even though you cannot see each other and you're not physically together, that you're still in community together. That's the great thing about technology, that I could preach to you today, even though none of you are in this room, that I could still preach to you. And so therefore, if I could do this and we could do this as a church, then as a church, we could keep in community with each other. Do your cell groups through Zoom. Do your cell groups through FaceTime. I'm not getting paid for any of those endorsements. Use them, use technology to your advantage so that you can be in community with each other. Third, go get some fresh air. Keep some social distancing, but get some fresh air. It's good for the soul, it's good for your physical body. Go for a walk, go throw some rocks in the river, go do something where you're Getting out, get some exercise. That's, that's the, the, the 12th thing I have here. Go get some exercise. Go for a run. Get out there. Keep your distance, but go. Get out there. Get active. Get your heart pumping. Do something where you're not just cooped up in your house. And 13, wash your hands. This is... Number one thing that everybody's telling us to do, wash your hands, sanitize your hands, make sure that you are, are, are being safe in all of these things. We're able to stand in times of uncertainty because our certainty is in our faith. Not, it is, our certainty is in our faith in God. Habakkuk's message comes close to the heart of the gospel, but it does not tell us explicitly how the righteous and faith are related. The heart of the gospel is that the righteousness of God, righteousness which God requires comes from faith and is for us to have because Jesus Christ died for us. Habakkuk comes close but it doesn't really understand the whole picture because he doesn't see Jesus yet. You see Habakkuk understood that by faith that if he believed in the Lord that God will see him as righteous, not sinless, but in spite of that sin that he could trust in God's mercy. That was the faith that he had. But the faith that we have is so much bigger than that because it is now revealed and fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus died on the cross so the fullness of the gospel could come through in faith. That we could believe and now that we are justified and righteous by his grace through Jesus as he died to take the place for our punishment. Habakkuk brought faith which lays a theological foundation for the gospel, for us to be strong in the midst of affliction and trials. Even Paul in Romans and Galatians, as well as Hebrews, use this exact phrase, that the righteous shall live by faith, to accentuate the doctrine of justification by faith. It is not just the act of faith, but the continuity of faith. The believer will habitually preserve in faith throughout their life if they're able to trust in the sovereignty of God who only does what is right. Let's pray. Father God, we just 
come before you. As we come before you, we just come to you in faith of knowing who you are. That amidst the chaos, amidst all of these things, amidst COVID-19, Lord, that in faith we could give you our anxiety, we could give you our fear, and you will replace that with joy and peace. Father God, we just come before you and we just ask that you continue to be with our, our, our community as Five Stones Church and that we are able to be a witness to, to those that are around us. Father God, give us wisdom, give us discernment in how we are to behave, how we are to act. But Lord, we just want to be in a place where we give you glory in all that we do. So Father God, we just continue to ask for your continual encouragement. We give you our worship, we give you our praise, and we pray all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. It's great to have all of you guys with us. Uh, We will see you guys next week as we broadcast again.